0: All right, we're live on the internet on Rumble Locals and YouTube. It's June 30th, 2023. It is the last day of June. Can you believe it, people? The fastest year ever continues to roll by. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. And we've got a Friday roundtable extravaganza for you. It's a British invasion. Joining me today is journalist and author Peter Lloyd and a best-selling author of seven books. He's putting me to shame, Douglas Murray. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Likewise. Do I have to do this show in some sort of accent or should we uh, do it regular style? What would you say?
1: Uh-huh. Well, that, that would be cultural appropriation, yeah. day, so please don't go there.
0: You guys, the beauty of having you two on together is that, Peter, your accent what is considered what? That's more, that's like a Liverpool accent, right?
1: Yeah, so I'm the commoner and Douglas I, and is the posh one, the classy one, yeah.
0: yeah. Douglas, what is your accent? for that, That's the Queen's accent, the King's accent, what do we call that?
2: It's it's
0: just the way people speak. Even that right there, you've set me up beautifully. All right, guys, we're going to get into a whole bunch of uh, all the nonsense of the week. Of course, the big story was yesterday. The Supreme Court of the United States has reversed affirmative action in universities, actually removing systemic racism, which I thought was what we were always trying to do, but it's got... All of a certain set of people really going nuts right now. We'll have some reaction from people like Michelle Obama and some of the uh, media elite. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about some of the other crazy woke stuff happening. And will 800-year-old senile Joe Biden actually run for re-election? Well, it seems like it might be uh, derailing uh, just a bit. Before we get to that, though, just literally a minute before we started, apparently two more Supreme Court rulings were announced, so I'm just doing this on the fly. Uh, they have ruled, the Supreme Court has ruled for a web designer who refused to work on same-sex weddings in Colorado uh, so that he, as a private citizen, is allowed to decide who he wants to work with. I think that seems just fine. You wouldn't want a, uh, let's say, a Jewish artist having to commission Nazi paintings for a white supremacist. So that, that one seems okay, but we'll find out more. And the other one, which is, uh, which is huge, is that the Supreme Court has struck down Biden's student loan relief plan, which seemed like it was obviously gonna happen, and Biden promised it like a week before the election. It got young people to vote for him, and apparently that one's out too. But the big one, of course, uh, and we've got some info here from NBC, was affirmative action. Here we go. The Supreme Court issued a 6-3 divided ruling on a pair of challenges to affirmative action policies at Harvard and the University of North Carolina with potential implications across education and beyond. The court ruled against the program, saying in the majority opinion that the systems in place lack sufficiently focused and measurable objectives warranting the use of race, unavoidably employ race in a negative manner, involve racial stereotyping, and lack meaningful endpoints. Those admissions programs cannot be reconciled with the guarantees of the Equal Protection Clause. Uh, Douglas, I'll start with you because uh, although you are British by birth, you are living in New York right now and uh, you, you are American by heart. Um, I'm totally fine with this. H- how do you feel about removing systemic racism from our universities?
2: Well, it's an extraordinary case, and I followed it very closely for the last almost decade, actually. It was in 2014 that a group of Asian-Americans started legal proceedings against Harvard. It was uh, originally an anonymous collection of students who had applied to the university, were eminently qualified, and uh, were turned down. Now, they noticed, among other things, something very interesting, which is although the number of, of students at Harvard who were Asian-Americans had remained constant in recent years. The number of Asian-Americans had actually increased. In other words, it was a giveaway that there was mm-hmm. a quota system going on at Harvard but in which they were deciding what percentage of certain ethnic groups they should have at any one point. Now, that, of course, is totally opposite to a merit-based system in which you just, you know, uh, you, you can include other things in somebody's life. You can include you know, the extent to which somebody may have overcome adversity or troubles or come from a less socioeconomically privileged background. You can include all of that without having racial quotas. But mm-hmm. that's what Harvard was doing. And in recent years, of course, this went all the way to the Supreme Court. Harvard tried to defend itself. It said it had trade secrets. You bet it did. Uh, the trade secret yeah. <laughs> marking down Asians on character traits without even meeting them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's all extraordinary, and the Supreme Court decision uh, this week is historic. Here's the interesting thing. It's not just about Harvard, and it's not just about other American universities. Mm-hmm. This shows that, that uh, not just Harvard is, is in breach of the Constitution, and is anti, the comp, anti-constitutional. It's that most universities in America are, are and here is the kicker, most corporations in America yes, right. are also, therefore, in breach of the Constitution, because most corporations, including ones like Google and Facebook that have big contracts with the government, are doing something which is unconstitutional in their hiring process. So this this has extraordinary ramifications for American society as a whole. But if I can add one thing quickly, everybody should read the End of Clarence Thomas's judgment, which forms a 50 or so page addendum to the main judgment. As people watching will know, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, who herself mm-hmm. is, is at the Supreme Court because she is a beneficiary <laughs> of Remember, Biden didn't say, I want to get the best no- a- 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 nominees and then decide to a- 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 appoint a, and put forward for appointment a, a black American woman. No, he said, I want a black American woman Mm -hmm. as as the appointment. So she is a beneficiary of of this process in her own way. And uh, she wrote the most extraordinary Kendi-esque, Ibram X uh, uh, um, Kendi-esque statement herself. Uh, Judge Thomas's uh, uh, reply to that is devastating Uh, and saying not just, that what she is doing is effectively, you know, this sort of racism in the name of anti-racism, but also points out, Thomas points out, that this sets America up for endless grievance. And on that, he couldn't be more correct. What she is suggesting, what affirmative action was, was a permanent state of perpetual grievance competition. And and the fact that that might come to an end would be wonderful for America and everybody else.
0: But Peter, what would these people do without endless grievance? I mean, you've written a ton about the wokesters and the ideology and the whole thing. And without grievance, without somehow solving racism of the past with racism (laughs) of today, they don't seem to have much.
1: I know, they might actually have to function on their own merit. So I think for that reason, we should take a moment of silence for the likes of Elizabeth Warren and <laughs> Rachel Dolezal, Rachel who are going to yes. find it very, very difficult to get ahead in the world. But uh, no, all jokes aside, this is a huge win for America. And I'm so delighted. I know I'm just some Brit in another country, but I am really, really delighted. And I'm so delighted that look at this. Oh, wow. Look at that. I'm having my little mini party here what? just to celebrate the fact that that even happened because that's how good it is. And Douglas is look right, is
0: That's nice because it's also right before July 4th, which I know is not a great holiday for you guys in terms of us leaving <laughs> and everything. But look at you celebrating. Uh, <laughs> that's very festive. Uh, yeah, Douglas. But, look, it, but, but just let me say, I mean, it yeah. is really important because affirmative action,
1: although it may have had good motivations at the beginning and it's dressed up as very positive, it is inherently racist. Racism is part of its DNA. It was actively discriminating against white people and Asians, and it was really patronizing to black people. So the fact that it might be over is a wonderful thing. I just hope it goes up to corporations and the military and all those other organizations and institutions that are affected by positive discrimination.
0: I'm going to read a post by Michelle Obama in just a moment, and she really echoed a lot of the Ketanji Brown-Jackson sort of neo-racism on this nonsense. But, Douglas, to your point on the corporations, uh, do you think this now starts a chain reaction where corporations, maybe even just by themselves, now that there'll be some sort of cultural awakening, like more and more people will be like, yes, this was racist. I was afraid to say it all along. But now that it seems like it has a little momentum that corporations might actually do the right thing on their own and get rid of some of these diversity, equity, and inclusion departments without a court order to do so? Uh,
2: uh, well, here's the thing. They have a little bit of an excuse that Joe Biden, the president has given them a bit of an excuse by when he was asked in the Oval Office uh, just yesterday, as we're speaking, Uh, about whether or not the Supreme Court was a rogue court. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, He entertained the idea for some Mm -hmm. time and uh, then, of course, insulted the court in a different way. Now, there may well be many people in America who will indeed decide, you know, Supreme Court, Supreme Court, uh, um, who are they to say what we should do there may be some corporations and others who do that and i would expect a certain amount of holdout and claim that this is a rogue supreme court and much more and nevertheless the judgment has 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 occurred i would expect that what we will see will be a, a gradual reversal but it's going to have to be pushed it will not happen uh, um, uh, organically Mm. Because there are too many people who've gone all in. Do you think those DIE departments and all of those in corporation after corporation are just going to co- come to work sometime next week and say, I'm so sorry about that, so I'm, I'm going to give it up today and going to gonna go and flip burgers? I, of course not. They are. They, the, the, these people, have uh, the, the, the all of the diversity, inclusion, equity people are on the biggest greatest doggle of our time. They're all paid much more than than most of their colleagues uh, to tell everyone absolute rot. So um, I don't think they're just going to give up their terrain uh, freely, even after a Supreme Court decision. I think it's going to have to be pushed. And I would Mm -hmm. urge um, uh, people at these corporations, as with other universities and so on, to start taking legal actions of their own Mm -hmm. Supreme Court precedent. This door must be pushed very very firmly now it's been opened and uh, we shouldn't expect it'll just happen
0: peter i uh, know you were you were banned probably in a very positive way from twitter for about 2 years you are back on twitter now and i was you know navigating twitter yesterday and watching the amount of progressive lefties democrats whatever you want to call them at this point really openly being for racism at this point. Let's even just put aside white people for a moment. The idea that you are punishing some Asian kid who worked really hard, whose parents maybe owned a little bodega as a lot of the the Asian families in my neighborhood growing up did a little little mom and pop shop, came with nothing from say South Korea, uh, worked really hard. The open racism that these kids should be punished because of literally the color of their skin but that that I guess doesn't really surprise you.
1: Right, no, not at all. And it's that level of cognitive dissonance that is just staggering slash so entertaining. I mean, I was looking at some tweets yesterday and there was one by a woman called Erica Marsh, who was oh, a former yeah. who was a former staffer of Biden, right? Yeah. And she was on and of course she was a she was a white, middle class, young liberal woman. And yeah. she was saying, Oh, you know, this is terrible. How will black people ever be able to thrive and succeed without the help of us white saviors? And I was like, oh my goodness, please stop stop. She literally
0: stop. she literally said black people will not be allowed to will not get ahead with uh, based on merit. I mean yeah. I, that's that's white supremacist type stuff. But let me let me read this post that uh, Michelle Obama put up because uh, it illustrates some of the Katanji Brown uh, Jackson thinking here. She wrote, back in college, I was one of the few black students on my campus, and I was proud of getting into such a respected school. I knew I'd worked hard for it, but still, I sometimes wondered if people thought I got there because of affirmative action. It was a shadow that students like me couldn't shake, whether those doubts came from the outside or inside our own minds. But the fact is this, I belonged. And semester after semester, decade after decade, for more than half a century, countless students like me showed they belonged too. It wasn't just the kids of color who benefited either. Every student who heard a perspective they might not have encountered, who had an assumption challenged, who had their minds and their hearts opened, gained a lot as well. It wasn't perfect, but there's no doubt that it helped offer new ladders of opportunity for those who throughout history have too often been denied a chance to show how fast they can climb. Of course, students on my campus and countless others across the country were and continue to be granted special consideration for admissions. Some have parents who graduated from the same school. Others have families who can afford coaches to help them run faster or hit a ball harder. Others go to high schools with lavish resources for tutors and extensive standardized test prep that helps them score higher on college entrance exams. We don't usually question if those students belong. So often we just accept that money, power, and privilege are perfectly justifiable forms of affirmative action, while kids growing up like I did are expected to compete when the ground is anything but level. So today my heart breaks for any young person out there who's wondering what their future holds and what kind of chances will be open to them. And while I know the strength and grit that lies inside kids who have always had to sweat a little more to climb the same ladders, I hope and I pray that the rest of us are willing to sweat a little too. Today is a reminder that we've got to do the work not just to enact policies that reflect our values of equity and fairness, but to truly make those values real in all of our schools, workplaces, and neighborhoods. Douglas, I read this like three times and I I try to give the devil his due and and grant a little bit of what she's saying. There's some, I suppose, nugget of truth in there to some extent. Uh, But first off, she ends by saying equity instead of equality, which means we all end up in the same place. That's very different than us all starting in the same place. Uh, But also this notion that even if everything she said there was factually right, that we still should solve this by punishing Asian and white students. Mm-hmm. It just makes no sense.
2: I and mean, apart from the sheer emetic quality of her prose as ever, I don't know why um, Michelle Obama always feels this desire to sort of throw herself into debates like this. I mean, she's the former first lady. Um, uh, I don't know, are we all waiting to hear from Laura Bush? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, because she had an SAT prep person, I'm sure. And, you know, that means she's it, maybe
2: if, if Melania Trump should weigh in soon on her thought. I mean, seriously, she, she's a former first lady. She, she um, got where she did uh, through all sorts of means. Uh, but the idea that this means that she has to sort of soapbox about the Supreme Court, I find, as I say, sort of emetic among other things. But, but here's the thing. She uh, she admits something very strange uh, uh, but interesting at the beginning of that long-winded statement, uh, which is she says that when she was at university, she sometimes wondered whether she had got there through merit. Mm -hmm. Now, as I said in my column in the New York Post today, that's one of the many secondary effects of affirmative action is that it suggests to many people, black and not black, that the black students may actually be lesser than in intellectual and cognitive ability than the others and have been only able to get there because they've had an unnatural boost from the admissions process so that that as michelle obama shows is something which actually far from you know giving you the strength to climb the ladder and all of those other banal hallmark cards insights that michelle obama forever gives people actually Detonates something at the beginning of your university career, which is a maybe I'm not here on my own merits. And here's, here's one of many other things as much to say about this, but, but um, Michelle Obama as ever um, sees these things through the race lens. Mm-hmm. Now she herself is an exceptionally privileged person. She, her, she is married to one of the most privileged people in the world. Uh-huh. She, their children when applying for college, I think they've already done that, but should they be regarded as right. black applicants to Harvard or wherever, or should they're extraordinarily privileged, in fact, more privileged than anyone else in the world, probably apart from the Duke and Duchess of Montecito, should they be regarded as being highly privileged and therefore marked down? Here's one final thing on this. What all these people get wrong Is that at universities across America, all of that is already taken into account before you have to put race in. Mm -hmm. Missions disproportionately actually doesn't not uh, put forward white students, despite counting for 70% of the adult population, the population as a whole in America. Harvard students only constitute 34% white. Now. So, we can play these games endlessly. Right. The point is, is that the university admissions in, in America and Britain already take into account things like socioeconomic background, the advantages you might have had from certain schooling, uh, um, and much more. So, Michelle Obama's totally confused about this, and as so often, is railing against dead ghosts. I mean, I, 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 dead phantom menaces. Harvard is desperate to include, in, increase its <laughs> black American- um, Right.
0: Body. Well, let's not, let's not forget that this is the woman who said that she was never proud of America until the day her husband took office. I mean, that, that was a pretty uh, telling statement right there. Uh, but to uh, further Douglas's point there, Peter, uh, this concept that a rich black kid who grew up in Malibu in a $20 million home, he would be given preference, put aside the Obama kids for a second, he would be given preference at Harvard over, say, a, some white kid who grew up in the in the sticks of West Virginia. I mean, this is the most anti-American concept you could possibly come up with.
1: It's absolutely anti-American. You've hit the nail on the head there, and it's also ludicrous. I mean, if you look at the intersectionality chart, the matrix, everything on paper about the obamas would list them as the oppressor class apart from their race you think how on earth can this be calculable it doesn't make any sense and that that letter in itself from Michelle Obama, I found was really sinister. It was like smiling assassin kind of stuff. I actually wondered whether maybe Stephen King had wrote it because it was really <laughs> eerie. I mean, especially that bit where she's talking about equity, not equality, like it sounds like equality. On the page, it looks like equality, but it means a very, very different thing. And you have to ask yourself, why is a recent former first lady of the US promoting the idea which is essentially socialist slash communist? it's very 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 questionable and also i really didn't like the way she was talking about how she was implying victimhood as part of her at her time at princeton she got into princeton when she wasn't necessarily the best candidate for that role and part of the reason she got that place on at the university is because her elder brother was a star athlete at princeton he greased the wheels for her access into the university and that's how she got ahead so she herself has benefited from privilege. She by, is such a hypocrite. By, by the way,
0: the Obamas the Obamas, are confused about a lot of things because they also live on a 30 acre estate on the water in Martha's Vineyard. And with climate change, you know, just rampaging the way it is, the house could be gone before you know it. But let's let's by get the to me, some- me, Can I just very quickly say yeah, something? Yeah,
2: yeah. There's something sort of that also needs to be pointed out about this. The, re- the rhetoric Michelle Obama uses is the same rhetoric that her, her husband uses. And it's actually a very, very uh, anti-meritocratic rhetoric, which is this, it's this, I believe in you, you are amazing, you kids, you have so much inside of you, I believe in you, I'm praying for you. No. No. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, no, I mean, yeah. what, what do you mean? I mean, there'll be lazy kids and hard-working kids. There'll be brilliant kids and stupid kids. There'll be, there'll be um, um, people who take every opportunity they see, and people who piss on every opportunity they see. That's that's just the population. But this, you, instead of saying, "Look, if you get where you want to get to in life, it'll be the result of your hard work, your aspiration your 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 ambition and an awful lot more. It, it's not just this you're the magical wonderful you and hopefully everyone's going to realize it someday. I mean that is just such soporific rubbish and I hate hearing it.
0: And even if you were the magical, wonderful you, that doesn't give the state or a university the right to discriminate against some other kid because you're so filled with unicorn dust and whatever else they're, you know, hopping the kids up on. All right, but let's get some of the reaction from the... uh Mainstream media, here is uh, Al Sharpton, who is a host. On, uh, he is a, Well, he's a race huckster and also a host on the televised mental institution known as MSNBC. But here he is in his limo, uh, because I guess this was all happening on the fly.
1: Well, I think uh, that this is tantamount to sticking a dagger in our back, because what they have said now is that it is
0: unconstitutional
1: to even consider race.
0: This is a tremendous setback that must be resisted by every corner, including the Department of Justice and including states. If it wasn't for considering race, this guy, this guy would have no gig. But it's just so funny because the things that Martin Luther King Jr. were fighting against, the idea that universities would have quotas to keep black people out, things of that nature, are now the exact things that in 2023, when we basically put racism to bed douglas i think it's you that always say but they're you know they're keeping it on life support um here he is making the racist argument as the anti-racist peter again it's just yeah here we go
1: yeah and of course did you notice how he was not only doing it in the back of a limousine but he was also doing it while wearing a five thousand dollar (laughs) suit now that's the kind of oppression
0: it was like a 75 dollar jacket by the way
1: right i mean I, i could get into that kind of oppression you know yeah i could do that
2: Don't you
0: also love? I mean,
2: this is a man, let's remember. I I don't think we need to linger over over the so called Reverend Al Sharpton. This is a man so shameless that whenever a young black uh, man in America dies, he literally pushes his way to the front of the funeral cortege and will be standing in front of the family at the coffin of a person he never knew, trying desperately to get his bit of the action. I mean, this is a man who's shameless for a living. And of course, he's furious uh, that uh, that uh, in one way that people are calling out the kind of race huckstering that he's done. But as, as you say, Dave, if 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 this kind of so-called anti-racist racism didn't exist, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton uh, wouldn't have any reason to get into his limousine in the morning.
0: There, there's a phrase that I love that most people credit uh, Bill Maher for, but I, believe it or not, it was George W. Bush, the soft bigotry of low expectations. Uh, and watch this clip. This is also from MSNBC. This is contributor Eddie Goud on what will now happen at the universities. It, it, we will return to uh, elite institutions, more, more specifically uh, being the space for a particular population, for predominantly white, and Asian students, we will begin to see a kind of segregated uh, uh, higher education landscape. And the irony, of course, uh, as I try to, I've anticipated this decision, but to hear it, I'm I'm kind of still, I'm, I'm trying to manage my emotions, but you know, this was just one remedy, affirmative action, the only remedy to the legacy of discrimination and admissions in American higher education. Peter, as Douglas pointed out first, First off, we are a predominantly white society. So for the people that want to just put us in the boxes, if, that, if you just care about race, then our schools would be predominantly white because we're a predominantly white country. That's just how it is. Um, but this, this concept somehow that what this guy is saying, he, he's actually saying the most depressing thing you could say to a young black person or brown person which is, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how hard you work, you're never gonna make it, which is so contrary to the millions and millions of black people who have succeeded and become millionaires and own their own businesses and everything else. It's it's like its most soul-crushing way of viewing the world, I think.
1: Exactly, exactly. And it's also factually incorrect. If you look at the data for university admissions, white men are almost invisible on university campuses, that they are no longer really going to university. They've opted out of academia. So I don't know where he's getting this idea from that university is going to be overrun by terrible, awful, oppressive white people. Most most white men are not going to college, so he's got nothing to worry about. And furthermore, most universities are beyond redemption anyway. So why is he even worried? You might as well burn them all down, assault the earth. Well, <laughs> apart from, uh, and you know, and then you and they just
2: go straight into coding. By the way, um, there's also something interesting about uh, what he said. He said they'll go back to being elite institutions. I have news for him. Harvard University is meant to be an elite institution. Mm -hmm. Universities by their nature are meant to be elite institutions in the same way that sports teams are meant to be elite institutions. You do not arrange the National Baseball League. Yeah. I to make it a totally equitable uh, anyone of any height uh, and weight and uh, speed can join. You know, I like elites if they are earned, if they have earned their place. I like elites in academia. I want academia to be filled with elites, the people who are the best at their subject. I like elites in sports. I do not want to watch very overweight, tiny midgets trying to play basketball. It would not interest me.
0: For the I, record, wait, 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 wait. For the record, I would love to watch tiny, overweight midgets play basketball. Like I'm totally down with that. i like, down with that too.
2: Like to see it once. Okay?
0: <laughs> like that seems. Come on, that's funny. Like a bunch of it, overweight midgets playing basketball. I'll pay for that.
1: It's it, me basketball. Yeah, it's great
0: are important. We need to
2: have elites. And this is, this gets to the crux again of what Judge Clarence Thomas wrote in his, in his judgment. It, it, not only is what Harvard and other universities and corporations across America have been doing in contravention of the 14th Amendment, which occurred after the Civil War, but it is perfectly clear that this is a wider societal problem in America where people don't believe in certain sectors such as academia and other very high status professions that that, that merit has to be the best and most important criteria. Right. That is disgraceful Is why America will become less competitive on the world stage Our rivals and competitors outside of the other Western countries are focused on producing elites, exceptional people who are at the top of their game. If America wants to play the game of producing the midget basketball player, I can tell you how that ends.
0: Yeah, the point is that uh, TikTok for Chinese kids is very different than TikTok for American kids, but that's a whole other topic. But let's continue with this race thing, because if people want to see how the over-racialization of everything really degrades society and crushes people's thinking, uh, this is a story that I saw last week, and I really wanted to hit on with you guys. There was a young girl by the name of Jen Angel who was murdered by a black man, and she was a lefty and a social justice warrior and everything else, and that's what her friends are. And now her friends are lobbying to free the man that murdered her. It's it's unbelievably extraordinary. Take a look at this clip. Her rebirth was Angel's friend. She's one of several people calling on local authorities to pursue an alternative to traditional prosecution.
2: I know Den believed that we need to
1: address harm and create accountability that is that is really rooted in in looking at the root causes of of why harm happens.
0: Burr says Angel strongly disagreed with the current criminal justice system and would not want her alleged killer to go to prison. Like locking somebody in a cage, is that really gonna bring Jen back? Instead, Burr says Angel would have liked a form of restorative justice to happen. Friends of Angels have been working alongside the nonprofit Restore Oakland. And restorative justice
2: is really about healing, and healing begins with telling the truth
1: and our current criminal justice system robs any opportunity of truth-telling uh, from all parties.
0: Just to be clear, it was the it was the murderer who was 19 years old. I think she was in the, in her 30s. But uh, Peter, this story, like this, they have a dead friend, and their concern is that the the perpetrator of this murder somehow not be treated poorly. Basically, should just walk out there. Like, is this not just the perfect? Um, end game of all of this nonsense.
1: All right. Well, two points on this, Dave. One is that this is proof, further proof, that progressivism is a mental disorder. And uh, number two, I think it's what you call um, pathological altruism, when mm-hmm. you ha- mm-hmm. when you have so much good intention that it goes beyond the realm of what's beneficial and becomes negative. You know, and, and this seems to be a recurring theme with the left. We saw it only recently when they were talking about abortion. They wanted so much tolerance that it became a bad thing. Yes, tolerance is good, of course it's good, but there is such a thing as too much tolerance. And finding that distinction is a fine political art. And for some reason, liberals don't seem to be able to do it. And here we are with this, you know, they're, they're saying, oh no, you know, this, this poor man, he shouldn't be held accountable for his actions. Well, of course he should, because he's committed a crime. And, uh, you know, there there, there is a rule of law in America. And these are the very same people who when George Floyd was killed, were calling for his killer to be arrested and tried and potentially killed. So not only are they deluded, but they also have inconsistent principles. It's like, I wanna get all liberals together in a conference room, get them to decide on what the principles are, come out and debrief the rest of the world on it because then we can actually move forward with the conversation. But I mean, this really is a case of pathological altruism and it's almost exclusive to the left.
0: Yeah, Douglas, Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot. You've written about it that, you know, basically, if in your hierarchy of values, you put tolerance at the top, you actually become the most intolerant person. What, what would you say to someone like if you were sitting in a room with a friend trying to explain to her why perhaps this is not the best way uh, to get justice for her friend or to solve any of these problems? H- how do we deprogram some of these people? Or do we just have to let a certain segment of the society go?
2: Well, the first thing is that she obviously didn't care about her friend very much, Um, just obviously not. She cares about her own narcissistic self-presentation more than she does about her her friend's murder. Uh, The second thing is she's obviously, uh, the the friends of of this poor woman um, clearly don't understand the most basic point of justice or indeed the criminal justice system. The criminal justice system is not in place in order to heal It is not in place in order to provide some cosmic social justice. The primary purpose of imprisonment imprisonment is punishment, is punishment for crime. Uh, Secondarily, among other things, if the person somewhere down the line who perpetrated the crime can realize the atrocity they have committed and feel some kind of regret for it, that's not a bad thing. But that's not the purpose of the criminal justice system. It is to punish people for wrongdoing. And murdering somebody has hitherto generally been regarded as quite serious wrongdoing. Uh, And so if you do it, you should expect uh, the most extreme punishment. And in America, that can include capital punishment uh, or it can include uh, it should include life imprisonment. Um, These people's brains have been totally deranged, of course. Uh, But as I say, um, I've come across this before. I wrote about it in my 2017 bestseller, The Strange Death of Europe, where Mm -hmm. I gave examples of something similar, which was um, a number of women who had been helping illegal migrants to break into Europe and were then raped uh, by some migrants. This is, of course, as we always have to say, the inevitable disclaimer, not all of the migrants were rapists, (laughs) but some were. And uh, there was an Italian activist in particular. I remember she was uh, uh, raped by uh, one of the migrants she'd helped to come in and uh, her colleagues encouraged her to cover over the rape. And she did because she felt that if she talked about the fact or indeed went to the authorities to say she'd been raped, Um, then it might reflect badly on her
0: rapist. (laughs) Next thing you know, everyone has been raped and nobody knows that anyone else has been raped. That's pretty much where you end up. I want to do one other thing uh, before we move on to Biden with you guys, because today, guys, this is very exciting. June 30th, the last day of June. It's the last day of pride. And finally, we can go back to 330 some odd days of shame, which frankly are much better. Uh, But... When people talk about social justice just going completely off the rails, uh, obviously there's been all these pride parades the last couple weeks. Check out this clip. Is this from New York City Pride? Yeah, yeah, this is from New York City Pride. And listen to what these people are chanting. All right, I suppose the quiet part out loud, I assume that was a man with the breasts, there were guys hanging out with their wangs out in front of children, all all of this stuff. Um, You know, guys, when I booked this show and happened to be today, The Last Day of Pride, I didn't even realize actually, the three of us happened to be gay. I would just say happened to be because we're all friends and it actually doesn't really come up that often when we're having dinner or having drinks or whatever, it's just a part of our lives. But this, this LGBT thing has done something so freaking dangerous. I, I would say to us that it is starting to become personal to me. Uh, Peter, how do we separate from the lunatics here before, before the decent people on the right, who I think have come a long way on a lot of this stuff, start turning on, on the average gay per, the average G and B and L?
1: Well, for starters, I think we all need to return our membership cards because I no longer want to be part of this group anymore. This is absolutely crazy. But I think it's really nice that you're seeing more and more people who are gay or lesbian or bisexual rejecting this narrative that is so extreme and also that it that has embraced transgenderism, which as we've discussed, is a completely different part of human experience, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's never had anything to do with sexuality, it's not mm-hmm. actually part of sexuality, it's something completely different, so I think it's really nice for people like yourselves, like Douglas, to speak up, to address these things, and really tackle them head on, and disassociate, and moderate, and modulate the narrative that's happening.
0: Douglas, what do we do about this situation? I I think, if I'm not mistaken, you tweeted about it not too long ago, like this thing where I can sense that people on the right who just, who came a long way, maybe they weren't cheering gay marriage, but it happened. And then they were just like, all right, live your life. Just, you know, stay away from our kids, in essence. Uh, You don't have to teach people this. Just just live your life, which is what I thought a, a just movement for equality was all about. That's what I'm concerned about, that because of the way these letters have been mashed together, they're going to turn, and and I don't know what the force field against that will be.
2: Well, first of all, I never had membership of this.
0: Yeah, no, me neither. I'm just saying they they jam these freaking letters together, yeah.
2: And there also is no such thing as an LGBTQIA plus person. There just isn't. Uh, They don't exist. It's a total clown car made up of a bunch of now dominated certainly by a bunch of very angry misfits that uh clip you showed there was there a single gay man in that clip i don't think so right right see it was uh people who call themselves queer who very often are actually straight and anarchists in some way They, they have no connection to gay men or gay women uh, they believe that they need to draw attention to themselves and bring down the patriarchy and everything like that. Uh, that has nothing to do with being gay. I, I wrote about this in the Manners of Crowds, where I said then there's always been a divide in the gay, mo- gay rights movement as there was yeah. in the civil rights movement, between people who believed in, in basic equality and that was it, and those who believed that it was the beginning of a step to pull down society. Now. Uh, the Reverend Martin Luther King and others dealt with this in the civil rights movement and got that out. Unfortunately, in the gay rights movement, uh, uh, after the point of victory, basically, these these misfits uh, have taken over because everybody else has got a life to get on with. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the the weirdo clown car people are now actually toxifying everyone else in the alphabet soup that they're involved with. I think it is actually going to get quite serious. It's why I think that People like me, who, you know, frankly, as you say, David, I mean, I'm not very interested in talking about sexuality because yeah. it's not the most interesting thing. I've got books I want to read about other subjects. But uh, the, the point is, is that is that the, uh, we actually do have to speak out about this because I think that a lot of people, particularly conservatives, may well be saying, and I've seen them saying it in recent weeks, you know, we were kind of lied to, mm-hmm. yeah. wanted equality. And now we see like, we're coming for your children. Um, And uh, children are quite understandably the tripwire on this. Parents do not want their children to be indoctrinated into any particular uh, ideology, in my experience, particularly not into the mad gender woo woo ideology, which was only a few years ago. And so there is a backlash. I think it's incumbent upon everyone who happens to be gay and has, have any public profile to say, actually um, w- I'm going to do what in my favorite scene in Master and Commander uh, happens when the ship's captain realizes that the person on the raft pulling at the, the whole ship is going to capsize the whole ship. The ship. Uh, you get the act and you cut the rope, cut the rope. Every LGB person should cut the rope. Get these people away from us. We do not want the gender misfit, woo-woo ideologues. We don't want these mad, deranged, self-identified queers who want to bring down the the the, the nation, the country, and everything else. We don't want them anywhere near us. Uh, It just can't be said enough because otherwise uh, this is going to become more and more toxic. And I just had one other thing, Dave. You said it's the last day of Pride Month. Uh, It used to be a Pride Parade. It became Pride Day. It then became Pride Week. Now it's Pride Month. Uh, uh, And Justin Trudeau, who who would love to identify as queer, I'm quite sure. Um, Justin Trudeau just the other day referred to Pride Season. So <sighs> soon to be pride year, and my patience has long run out on this. So I can only imagine what the patience of most ordinary straight people must be at this stage. Pe-
0: yeah, so Peter, let me give you the last word on this, because we're all, I know we have no doubt that all of us are in agreement with what Douglas just said right there in terms of sure. disconnecting from this thing, but is, there, is the inherent problem from disconnecting from movements is that the, hysteric people, the hysterical people are always making the headlines. They're the ones out there screaming and everything else. And guys like the three of us are out there working and, and doing functional things the way most gay people who are actually quite similar to straight people and want the same things, dignity and self-respect and equal rights. So, so there's an asymmetry there where you're always going to look at the most rabid, crazy person. And then unfortunately that infects everybody. So the, the, the using the ax to cut the rope uh, it doesn't often happen because people are busy living their lives.
1: Right, and like Douglas said, that's why I think a lot of people like us have a duty to do something and to speak out. And movements throughout history have always needed to trim the fast, to, to get rid of the extremists on the fringes because they've had counterproductive uh, you know, elements on, on the movement itself. And that needs to happen even now. We need to constantly be reassessing the politics of homosexuality and everything else because otherwise it gets co-opted by other groups who are bad actors and have got malign oh. intent.
2: And one other thing to say by the way, uh, I want to say this very clearly, all the people who dress as like uh, the queer um, uh, you know walking down the street, weird, uh, anarchist, uh, I'm a bloke but I'm going to wear nipple tassels and so okay nobody wants to sleep with you.
0: <laughs> i could definitely do a call back to the uh fat midgets here but we're just going to move to the next segment which is about the elderly man pretending to be president uh joe biden was on msnbc yesterday and uh well, earlier in the week, he said that Putin has lost the war in Iraq, but that was not his worst flub, because watch what happened as they tried to go to commercial. Every American, whether they voted for me or not. Well, and, and the
2: ones that didn't vote for your bills, but run on them. That's, That's right. <laughs> Mr. President, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very oh, much. I appreciate it's great it, to great. have you. It's thank you. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. It's a very exciting day around here. Um, we'll have reaction and analysis to everything we just heard from the.
0: Guys, he makes Mr. Burns look like Andrew Tate. Like, this is just... Douglas, how much longer can this charade go on? I mean, this show, it just does not stop. And apparently he's running again.
2: I love the host saying, don't go anywhere as Bison.
0: Yeah, uh, you.
2: (laughs) ...find his way out of the studio. Um... Look, I mean, in some ways one has to be careful about this because it's getting into sort of elder abuse territory at the moment. Um, The whole Democratic Party hierarchy is, say what you like about the Republican Party, which goodness knows has its own problems, but it doesn't lack uh, talent beneath the top level, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't lack people who know how to talk. Uh, The Democratic Party, by contrast, is, is led by somebody who, it, it's just very sad actually, every day now there's another Bidenism. Uh, the reason why he didn't seem to know the rules of live television was because he doesn't do it very often. In fact, mm-hmm. any president. Um, he, uh, he he uh, he he's got the 90 year old Dan Feinstein, who I, I admire in many ways, a very distinguished senator in the past from California, wheeled into the Senate recently, doesn't seem to realize that she hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she, the, the press aren't allowed to speak to her. you got John Fetterman, uh, the senator um, uh, from, uh, from Philadelphia, who who was at, by the I-95 uh, um, it was rebuilt. Yeah day uh standing beside joe biden he seemed fetterman seemed to refer to joe biden as the collapsed bridge which <laughs> i mean it's not totally bad, but, um, uh, um, and uh, and and then you've got kamala harris always on hand to give us a long disquisition about the nature of time and and it is very interesting when when kamala harris talks about the nature of time because Time slows down whenever she does so. In fact, it almost grinds to a halt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the party's in a mess. And they, 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 the older generation, the Biden generation, is holding on. My prediction is actually uh, that he's not going to be running. They're going to get him and Kamala out. And it's going to be as pleasant as they can do it, but it'll be pretty brutal.
0: So I have said, I said at the day of inauguration, he was not going to run the second time or that he would not have a second term. And, and I think finally, I've been saying for a couple of months now, it will start trickling out to the media, the sort of push him out thing. And what I thought was going to happen, it would be something like Obama would be in an interview and just casually say, boy, you know, Joe's lost a step. And that would be the trigger then for the media to start going with it. But I think something did... I think something happened this week that actually is the trigger on that, which is that it has been reported that Joe Biden is using a CPAP machine. This is this machine that you strap on your face at night if you're snoring a lot and it helps you breathe. Here's a quick little CBS thing on that. In Washington. The White House today announced that President Biden is using a device for his sleep apnea. An official said the president has been using a CPAP machine, which stands for continuous positive airway pressure, in order to help improve his breathing during sleep. The information came after reporters noticed these indentations on the president's face this morning caused by the apparatus. According to the American Medical Association, about 30 million Americans suffer from sleep apnea. I mean, my God, it looks like he's got like Bain's mask on his face with that thing. But I want to read a tweet by Mike Cernovich, because he basically said what I've been pushing for quite some time. Mm -hmm. He said, the green light went out a week or so ago. Now it's full scale attack from regime media. In essence, like, oh, we got Biden in, we used him properly. And now there's the green light to sort of show him out and then usher in either Gavin or whatever else is coming. Peter, do you, you think that's where we're at at this point? Like it's about to happen?
1: yeah this feels very very odd the media absolutely did not need to report on this issue it's kind of a complete non-story they really didn't need to give it any oxygen the fact that they have raises more questions i think is this the thin end of the wedge are they now starting to ask biden i suspect so i think Sir that is probably right and douglas is also correct in the sense that there really isn't that much talent beneath biden Kathleen kamala she certainly can't do the job Stacey Abrams, she can't do the job. Pete Buttigieg, he can't do the job. So who's left? Thankfully, I do think there might be a bit of salvation in Robert F. Kennedy. Maybe All, I think he, although, he put,
0: yeah, no, no. Look, he's way better, but I don't, you know, I don't know if you saw his reaction to the affirmative action decision yesterday, but he basically said it was the wrong decision. So you know, he's got his own but, limitations. But Douglas, wh- what do you think? What do you think the move is? Like, how is it that they're gonna push? They well, have to push Kamala out, right? So you have to, it's the Democrats who will take out the first black female yeah. vice president to somehow get the white guy, Gavin Newsom in.
2: That's right. You can't, you can't, this is why I go back. I think Sundrich is wrong on this. I, you, you can't do this brutally and in public. It has to be done behind the scenes. Um, uh, people I speak to suggest that the, the, the thing to look for is, of course, we have Hunter Biden um, doing a, a deal uh, with the yeah. DOJ over the most minor issues, which was uh, some tax evasion and, and gun ownership. Um, there's a lot more, of course, in the Hunter Biden stuff and in the Biden family's general pay for play stuff. Now. The thing to watch for is when Democrats stop holding back the Republicans from doing everything they want in terms of the investigation into the Biden family. At that point, some of the Democrats will speak to Biden and say, um, the way to make this go away is to step away. Now, what do you do with a problem like Kamala? Yeah. Uh, the only thing you can do, because you can't, as you say, the Democratic Party cannot be seen to be stopping the first minority female vice president from herself running if she wants to. There isn't a vacancy on the Supreme Court at the moment, but there could be. And uh, there's one justice in particular who if she was called back into the White House, uh, could be persuaded to uh, step down early and Kamala Harris could be slotted into the Supreme Court. Um, That's the most plausible, pleasant way in which you deal with the Biden-Harris ticket. Being effectively ushered off the stage, the, the Democratic Party, as we know from the DNC hacks some years ago, is lethally effective mm-hmm. when it needs to be. And I think that they are starting to realize that the Bidenisms are not on a weekly or a monthly basis, but a daily basis now. Mm-hmm. And the party is sensible enough to know they cannot go into an election with a, with a presidential candidate who is. All the time, literally one footstep away from disaster.
0: Uh, 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 Peter, I don't think I can end the show on that deeply depressing note that Kamala Harris is going to be a Supreme Court justice, so you've got <laughs> to give me something pithy to end this program on, please. Um, ah ha ha, ha ha
1: That's not my Kamala cackle. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? How was that? <laughs>
0: We should have just thrown to the Kamala cackle there to end the show. That would have been it. Well, I guess may God have mercy on our souls. How about that? That'll do. Gentlemen, That'll do. it has been a pleasure. Uh, we are going to link to your books down below. And I thank you guys. We're going to do a post-game show right now at Rubenreport.locals.com for everybody else. Uh, no show on Monday. I'm giving the team off for July 3rd. And then, of course, uh, no show on Tuesday for the 4th. And we'll be back on Wednesday. So thanks again. To Douglas and Peter, and thanks you guys for watching. Adios.